All right. So if you um, have your Bibles with you, um, the scripture was read for your hearing in Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Um, but at the risk of being redundant, I want to lift up that verse of scripture since it's only two verses um, uh, very quickly for you. Um, the record of God says, oh, before I start, before I start, I want to say thank you to my trustees. Um, they made sure that I got a laptop because Bishop was having some issues um, technology wise with her um, tablet. So in order to function um, at the level that I needed to um, for the church, the trustees uh, got me a laptop. So thank you, trustees, very much. I am appreciative of it and I am going to, um, I'm learning some things. I'm still learning and still figuring out some things, but uh, we thank God that we were, um, that they um, blessed me this week to be able to have this so I can function a little better in ministry. Um, so now, uh, Galatians 6, um, 9 and 10 says, and let us not grow weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are who are of the household of faith. Amen. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. And from that portion of scripture, I like to lift up this subject on today. The game has changed, but the rules have it. The game has changed, but the rules have it. You know, it's amazing how things change over time. Um, traditions begin and end over time. And so do you guys remember when families ate dinner every night together around the same time? I know some of y'all too young for that, but it actually happened. And uh, it, it wasn't just on the, you know, on TV. Um, there were no takeout meals. It was good old fashioned home cooked meals. I remember also that you could not go outside or do any kind of fun games until your Saturday chores were done. Somebody ought to type in the in the, in, in the chat that they remember that. All right. You, some of y'all not too old, but do you remember that? You could not go outside until the bathroom was clean, until your room was clean, until you uh, cleaned the uh, mother singleton made us clean the uh, the uh, uh, what do you, um, uh, the baseboards, <laughs> but you couldn't do anything unless it was clean. Um, but, you know, it's interesting too, that neighbors, they used to look out for one another um, and, and look out even for your children. Um, if you did something wrong, if the neighbor was like an auntie or uncle, you would get in trouble and then go home and get your butt whipped by your parents. Um, but the game has changed. Nowadays, families are so busy Mom and dad work different shifts. Amen. Um, children have um, children um, have after school activities throughout the week. Um, sometimes they can't clean on Saturdays because they have practice or they have a game. And neighbors, some of them you barely know or even speak to. And not every block has the same relationship with their neighbors. And in today's time, you can't trust a neighbor to discipline your child. Amen. <laughs> because uh, the truth be told, some of their elevators don't go to the top floor. And some neighbors would not want to because some people just don't believe their child is capable of doing anything wrong. It's even harder to help someone in today's climate 
There's a funny uh, progressive car commercial. I know that some of y'all have seen this, where Dr. Rick is teaching a group how to stop being your parents. And one scene, the guy is helping somebody back up. He said, come on, come on, come on. And Dr. Rick, Rick says, you don't know them. It is hilarious. But it, it's interesting how you can't even help people to, in today's climate. Deacon Brown recently told me uh, how he passed someone who was standing on the railroad tracks looking into the sky. He said they were, they were just looking up into the sky. Deacon Brown said he prayed of whether he should go back and make sure that the man was okay. Um, he did, and someone came to get the man and to assure Deacon Brown that he was fine. But my reaction as his wife is you shouldn't have stopped because people are crazy. And they could have been, it could have been a setup to hurt the person who was willing to assist, right? I'm sorry, the Bishop, she got, she still got trust issues. But it's it's different now. The game has changed, but the rules haven't. Last week, God taught us that biblical stewardship is not just about finances, but defines a man or woman's relationship to God. It defines our purpose in this world as assigned to us by God himself. Stewardship also defines our practical obedience in the administration of everything entrusted to us. We are stewards of God and managers of what belongs to God. And that means each other. In our text, the Galatian church, they were struggling. One hand, on one hand, they were dealing with legalism. That means that you have to do certain things in order to be saved. And on the other hand, they were dealing with liberalism, pursuing desires without consideration of ethics or moral boundaries. But Paul's message to the Galatians is simply, don't quit. They were doing well spiritually at first, but now they were in danger of losing their first love being diverted from the witness and service into petty bickering and greedy self-concern. To these fatigued and spiritually exhausted Christians, Paul made his appeal, let us not become weary in well-doing. But let's back up just a little and read verses one through three of Galatians six. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spiritual, in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself less, you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. In other words, church, good stewardship is to restore someone who has sinned because you have or might get caught up in something yourself. Don't act like you have never been through anything just because you've been saved for a minute. But as the opportunity presents itself, do good to people and do it especially to other Christians. Galatians 2 also says, though, bear one another's burdens. The word burden here means a weight of personal or eternal significance. It can refer to a character flaw, a struggle, 
or a moral requirement. It was, um, if we were using an illustration um, in, in biblical times, the idea of bearing one another's burdens is like a man staggering beneath a heavy load of grain. He must somehow get the grain home to his family, but he's about to crumble beneath its weight. A brother sees his distress and rushes to his aid, lifting a part of that burden and thereby easing the weight of it. And although the supportive one does not assume the whole load, his help allows the struggling one to carry on to his destination. Somebody ought to say amen. The church of Antioch is an example of believers bearing one another's burdens. In Acts 11, uh, 27 through 30, it records that the church learned of a coming famine in Judea. Um, though they did not personally know the ones who would be affected by this difficulty, they took up collections to send them by way of traveling apostles. The Antioch church did not assume a responsibility for total provision, but their generosity lightened the load for those who would be suffering. Hello, Red Cross, give your blood. Amen, somebody. All Christians though, church, you all know this. We all have burdens. Our burdens differ in size and shape and will vary in kind depending on the providential ordering of our lives. But, 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 some, but for some, it is the burden of temptation and for some, it's the consequence of moral lapse. For others, it may be a physical ailment. It may be a mental disorder. It may be a family crisis. It may be a lack of, of, of employment. It may be demonic oppression. It may de be demonic depression. It may be that a spouse dies, a child is injured, uh, a job falls or a house burns down, or you may get COVID-19. But no Christian is exempt from burdens. But there are also times when life threatens to overwhelm us, right? And as part of the family of God, we are to come to the aid of our brothers and sisters in need. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, when a load suddenly becomes too heavy for one person, we are to bear one another's burdens. The added strength and encouragement of others is often the difference between pressing on and giving up. Sometimes you say you press on, but you press on because you had help. Somebody was willing to help you through. Somebody was willing to say, I'm going to give you a lending hand. Somebody was willing to say, I'm going to go out of my way to help you. Somebody was willing to say, what is it that you need that I can assist you with? You did not decide to give up because somebody decided to encourage you. Church, we all have burdens. And God does not intend for us to carry them by ourselves in isolation from our brothers and our sisters. And, and so we cannot let pride stop us from being blessed. And I do understand that sometimes we don't want to carry the burden of ice. Uh, we don't want to carry the, the um, we don't want others to help us carry the burden because we don't want people to know our business. We don't want people to know that we're going through something. We don't want people to know that that um, that that today we're weak. But guess what? Tomorrow you may be strong and the other person may be weak. 
But many times we walk in difficulties and struggles and isolation because we feel like we should be better than this. We feel like we should have gotten over it by now. We feel like we should have done better by now. It should have gotten better. But guess what? During these times, we're all in it together. We're all struggling or we all know somebody that has been struggling. And so guess what? We cannot let pride or the enemy get in our ear and tell us that we need to do this by ourselves. No, if you are struggling, you need your sisters and brothers to be able to help you. That is good stewardship because all Christians have burdens. And since none are sufficient unto themselves to bear the burdens alone, God has so tempered the body of Christ that its members are to be priests to one another. Amen. Priests to one another, bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. That means that we are fulfilling what the word of God tells us to do. Bearing one another's burdens is not an option. The Bible said it's a command, amen. But let me speak to this. Unfortunately, there are a few who isolate Galatians 6 and 2 and make a career out of asking for help. They misuse God's command to bear one another's burdens to avoid their responsibilities and habitually harass the, their, their church families with expectations of aid. And guess what? They figured out how to do it in different ways. Walking in the light of God's word is a delicate balance between selfless giving and responsible boundaries. If we err too far on one side, we become self-focused and overly independent. But erring too far the other way leads to assuming responsibilities for other people's messes. When we aim to bear our own loads while always being available to bear the burdens of others as well as the Lord leads, we will strike the perfect balance. But it has to be as the Lord leads. I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> Deacon Brown know what I'm talking about. But part of our stewardship is taking care of one another. Someone said, God doesn't always call us to win. Sometimes he just calls us to try. Either way, it's obedience that, glorified God, that glorifies God. And when you try to take care of someone else, guess what? It may, be, it may not turn into a win, but at least you tried and were obedient to the word of God. You know, sometimes it's difficult when it comes to trying to um, to help people because we don't understand sometimes the, the burdens that people carry and we don't understand the weight um, of, of what people are going through or what they are dealing with. And, you know, yesterday um, we had our conference and doing our Brown Ministries um, is, is about seeking a safe place for teenagers and, and women when they have gone through trauma specifically sometimes domestic violence. And, and what I think, you know, we wanted to really bring home on yesterday is that the, the church has ignored domestic violence. Domestic violence is nothing new. It's just that back during my mother's time, they didn't call it domestic violence, but it's not new. It's something that has gone on for centuries. It happened in the Bible days and it, it happened for years and it is still happening. But God is calling us to bring awareness 
to domestic violence and and to to bring awareness to abuse and and the way that women and sometimes even men are treated but many times we um, in the church, we have uh, sisters or even brothers that are going through something, and we don't know why their behavior has changed or why their behavior is the way that it is. But we don't, we don't, because we don't search and we don't dig and we don't pray to find out what's wrong with them. We would rather say, you know what, chick is crazy. I'm tired of dealing with her depressed self. I'm tired of dealing with her negativity. I'm tired of dealing with the stuff that, you know, um, she always is, is so defensive, but we don't know what they may be going through at home. We don't know maybe the sexual abuse that they received when they were children. And so now they, they're acting out. We don't know some of the mental uh, abuse that they received when they were younger. We don't know sometimes um, some of the things that people have gone through or are going through. And as stewards of the church, we need to be there for people who are who are suffering either through domestic violence or sexual abuse or or or, or different issues that they are going through. I know people don't like to, to, to deal with it and talk about it, but homosexuality is a spirit and it is a struggle for many people. I, I just people say that they were born that way. No, they were born that way. It's a spirit. And sometimes we would just rather say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that, you know, why are they turning that way instead of praying for them and seeing how we can be assistance to them. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son um, to whoever <laughs> believeth, to whoever believeth in him. That means everybody, everybody. I know I probably struck a nerve with homosexuality, but guess what? all sin and come short of the glory of God. So what? Your issue may not be homosexuality, but maybe it's it's something else. Maybe you got a different vice that 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 nobody knows about. But the thing is we need to be helping one another. Stewardship is taking care of people who have suffered from domestic violence. It's taking care of people who have suffered from sexual abuse. The Bible calls us to help the widows the orphans, the unwed mothers, you know, it's, it, it's amazing to me how um, there are still people who point the finger at people who have children out of wedlock, when probably they were born out of wedlock themselves. They just don't know it, right? But it, 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 it's, it's amazing to me how they point the finger at unwed mothers, um, just because the unwed mother got caught and you didn't, does that mean that we should not help them? We should be there for them. It is not that child's fault. We should be a blessing to them and help them in any way that we can. But it's interesting, the Bible says in verse one, it says to do it with a spirit of gentleness. Amen with a spirit of gentleness. That means that you don't, you know what? You need to get yourself together. Just leave him. You don't have to take that stuff. Oh my God, it happened when you were a teenager. Get over it. You need to go see, get some counseling. I'll just pray for you. Oh my goodness. Guess what? We keep coming over there trying to help you. You need to help yourself. You shouldn't have kept your, you should have kept your legs closed. No, no. That is not in the spirit of gentleness. We need to be patient with people when they have suffered, when they have gone through. And you need to put yourself sometimes in their position and see how would you like to have been treated? 
Glory to God. You know, there's a continued argument, and we're going to close up. We're going to close up on this. But there's a continued argument over who is the GOAT, meaning greatest of all time in basketball, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Don't say anything, Brian, and don't say anything, E.I.T. Ryan. Don't you dare put anything in the chat. Some make arguments for both. And some say, including Michael Jordan, that the game has changed, hasn't changed, but the rules have. And, and different great players in different eras, there were, there were, there were, the rules were different. And so to try to say who is the GOAT is a difficult thing because the rules have changed. There will always be an argument over who is the GOAT in basketball no matter what we do, there always will be an argument over who is the GOAT. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, the game has changed, but the rules have not. And he is the GOAT. While, while we were yet sinners, the Bible says that Christ died for us, meaning that even before we were in our mess, the greatest of all time took on our sin and justified us and reconciled us back to the Father. He didn't have to win six MVPs. He didn't have to win six championships back to back with the same team. His one-time event of dying on the cross, being buried for three days and resurrected made him greater than Tom Brady, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, and I gotta say it, my boy, LeBron James. The GOAT gave us a blueprint for taking care of one another because he took care of us even before we needed him. He was a great steward over his assignment and handled it with firmness and compassion. And guess what? We need to do the same. Yes, times have changed, church, but God's word has not. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And guess what? We can do it together. We can make that phone call. We can take that dinner. We can, uh, we can uh, share finances. We can share our creativity. We can do it. He doesn't, we, we are supposed to do good to all people, but especially to those who are the household of faith. Be a good steward, church. The game has changed, but the rules haven't. God bless you. I pray that the word of God has helped you and has challenged you um, a little bit to think about where you are in terms of your stewardship. Because stewardship is not always about finances. It's about taking care of what God has entrusted you with. And people, God has entrusted you with people. Are you taking care of the people that God has entrusted you with? Whether they are in your family but, or whether they are in the church, are we taking care of them? He wants us to. And sometimes you've got to pray and ask God, what can I do? Because everybody is not your assignment. Can I get an amen on that on the chat? Everybody is not your assignment. And I'm talking to myself. God does not mean for you to go broke 
to help somebody else. And yes, I said, sometimes people say I gave my last dime, but guess what? Sometimes God doesn't want to give you, make, want you to give your last dime and you give your last dime because you said, oh, it, you know, that was the right thing to do. God will provide. Well, guess what? Now, how are you going to get to work? How are you going to get gas? <laughs> how are you going to put gas in your car? Oh, God will bless me. That doesn't make it good stewardship. <laughs> that, that doesn't make it good stewardship. We've got to be mindful of how God directs us when it comes to blessing people and being there for people. All right. And don't make people guilt you into helping them. That's not good stewardship, right? Just you're helping because they made you feel guilty. No, you help because God has placed it on your heart to help this specific, this particular person. And we cannot help everybody. God assigns us to particular people. And if that person does not, if you don't do your job, God has somebody waiting in the wings to do it for you. But we've got to listen to the voice of God. And we've got to learn in this season, especially, we've got to take care of one another. Call a member once a week. Check on a member once a week. See if there's anything that you can do for them. We've got to learn, church, it's not just about us, but it's about taking care of one another. I pray that the word of God has, has helped you, has blessed you, has encouraged you, but it has also challenged you. Um, and if you've heard the word and, and, and you believe that, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, um, we pray that you will accept him as Lord of, over your life. And as that is not a member of the church or has not accepted Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to, to uh, come into the fold.